when it comes to doing your candidacy, it, it really boils down to this thing of uh, you've really got to humble yourself because the work that you're going to be doing isn't going to be pretty, but it's necessary. There's a reason why articles is as difficult as it is because it's this whole mantra of forged in fire. Hey, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Sahu, the Growth and Leadership Podcast. Today, we're chatting to a longtime friend and peer, Warren Nelson. Warren started with an entrepreneurial spirit at the age of 13 and continued to go from strength to strength in his career. A University of Forte alum, he graduated with an LLB specialization in tax, IP, international trade, and security regulation. He is now the head of litigation at Eugene Raymond Incorporated, based out in Port Elizabeth, where he joins us from today. Hey, Warren, how are you doing? Hey, morning, Shaven. Thank you so much for having me, man. Such an honor to be here. Such a privilege to be able to share with yourself and your listeners. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, impart some knowledge and some experience. Awesome. Awesome, man. I'm super excited to have you on. Um, it's our second podcast. So it's all about the whole idea was just to share the knowledge um, from everyone around and, you know, their experiences. And I think that's the most important thing. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when, when, when you reached out and, and you kind of told me the, the, the purpose behind this podcast, it, it kind of, it kind of made me reflect on how I felt stepping into the industry and that sort of that, that fight and grapple with reality versus expectations and, and that same like moral indignation that we get when we when we got to grapple with that for ourselves and how do we kind of resolve that with no one to to lead and guide us and to tell us where to go so i was excited when you told me and i'm looking forward to this conversation i'm so excited so warren like tell me about your your process how did you become um a lawyer or so an attorney um and what what have you gone through to get to that point in your journey you want to give us a bit of a recap of yeah, uh, just yeah of you. Yeah, it's 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 a bit of a story. Um, so 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 like I I think I've mentioned to you once or twice, but you know it's I never wanted to be an attorney. I'd never ever in my wildest dreams, um, you know, kind of considered it even as a profession. And um, I was I finished my trick, and I went into electoral contracting and and. Uh, initially geared towards like quantity surveying and, and I enjoyed it. It was good. And eventually over a little bit of time, it, it, it kind of developed and morphed into more procurement and costing and that kind of stuff, which was fascinating because you constantly negotiating with stakeholders, suppliers and uh, certain like individuals along this process of, I mean, we did everything from hospitals to schools and that kind of stuff, which, so I really enjoyed it. And, and during this, my tenure there, I, I, kind of, I kind of was pushed and I had this like inclination I really needed to study. So initially I wanted to study something in, in, in kind of in the commerce section, business, finance around there. So I applied to NNMU at the time and Forte and I applied for BCom Law, understanding that uh, a legal background would, would obviously serve very well in, in business. So I applied for BCom Law and I made the decision to stay in East London because I was offered the opportunity to keep my job so I knew I could work and study. And although I knew that it was going to be a little bit hard, 
um, I knew that the probative value of working and studying and the necessity behind working and studying, it, it had to go with this, this venture of, 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 that I wanted to do, of, of doing my, my LLB, which would eventually become my LLB. So when I decided to, to study at Forte, they accepted me for my BCom law. And uh, man, I laugh when I think about it now because <laughs> it was about a month after doing my BCom of trying to do my BCom law that I realized that I was the only student registered for BCom law. And there was an administrative error on the side of, the, of, of Forte. And, um, you know, cause I, I was registered cause I'd done work for, for Forte before I, I skipped the waiting queue and I went straight to a colleague and I said, you know, I, I can't wait. I need to go to a meeting. Can you register me quickly? So I handed him my ID book. He registered me for BCom law. And I paid up my fees for the year and I walked out and that was it. He gave me my timetable. He said, Warren, there you go. So a month later, I walked into faculty management and they, and they said, well, you know, Warren, you're the only one registered and the only places we have available now is in LLB. So welcome to law. And that's, and that's how it started. <laughs> and as, as, as simple as that. And that's a huge change there as well. <laughs> It is, and it isn't, and it took me some time to kind of reconcile myself with the fact that now, like, this isn't something I considered. This isn't something that I necessarily envisioned for myself. But so I spent a lot of time in the Forte Library kind of figuring out, you know, what does one do with an LLB besides being an attorney? Because <laughs> I didn't want to be one. So, <laughs> so I, I sat and I, and I researched and I researched and eventually I said, you know what, I'm going to honor the process. I'm yeah. here. I'm registered. There's some interesting people that I'm, I'm working with and some interesting lecturers. I think a few of them you may know. And I said, you know what, let's just honor the process. Let's just do it. So I can't tell you, but, you know, four years goes by so quickly. And I looked again and I started enjoying it. And I started the, the, like the, the way that the, it's almost geared to develop your analytical mind and the way it's geared to push a couple of buttons in that sense really got me going and I really enjoyed it. But I still didn't want to be an attorney. I really didn't. <laughs> and then, and then it, it begs the question, yeah, but Warren, why in your third year did you decide to do your articles? But, so about, in about March of my third year, I got an opportunity to register for my articles. Yeah. Now, during that time, we were still under the old act, which allowed us to register for five-year articles. And once you met the minimum requirements to become admitted as an attorney, you were, you, you know, you, you could do so. So I, I did that. So I worked full-time and I studied full-time and uh, I completed my LLB I think at the end of 2019 yeah no 2018 my LLB at the end of 2018 I wrote all my board exams did my PLT course which is practical legal training and I moved on to get admitted on in the early part of 2020 and and that's the long and the short of it, Jaren. I mean I've, I've been exposed to a lot of high court civil litigation I've predominantly specialized in civil litigation and a bit of corporate and commercial and uh, most recently quite a bit of property law and um, it's kind of just it's just kind of morphed from there and it's it's still developing and still growing and uh, yeah that's it really. 100% that actually that's actually a really interesting change of events I should say in in a life journey and a perspective also your mindset when you when you set on a particular thing that you want to achieve and then all of a sudden it throws you a curveball and you're just adapting to, to the changes, I Absolutely. guess. Yeah. 
And if you don't mind me asking, what are with regards to a candidate attorney? You said the law changed. What what was what is the new law compared to the old law? Was is there any difference? Yes, yeah. yeah. So so previously we were under the old act, which we we were governed by the Cape Law Society. So so we were yeah. So the Cape Law Society used to govern us, and, and now they've moved it over to the Legal Practice Council. Okay, and with that came a new Legal Practice Act, Legal Practitioners Act, and, and under that there were certain there were different requirements for admission, and along with this act, they changed the way you went about your articles. So instead of giving you the option of two year a, a two year articles and a five year articles, they've just changed it to a two year articles and a one year articles, which which means that it took away the option of being able to to work and study and that kind of stuff. The reason behind it, I'm not quite sure why they took away the five-year articles. I think there's so much value in having the five-year articles, but it, it was a transition period, but it was necessary for, you know, the governing of legal practitioners because it extended the scope of legal practitioners. And so it, it was a, it was a good thing. Um, but yeah, so I slipped in right at the end of the old act and I was able to do my five-year articles. Um, yeah. So it was definitely beneficial, a blessing in disguise to have five-year compared to two years and what people are going through now. Yes, yeah. So basically what I did was um, on a five-year contract of articles, if you register for five-year contract of articles, okay, and you, yeah. you meet the minimum requirements prior to the, to the end of that five-year contract, you're able to apply for something with you know, the legal term would be, it's an application for condonation. So you're asking the court to condone, okay, your, yeah. so mine was two years, just over two years. You're asking the court to condone your two years to five years. And then you put the facts before the court. You're saying, well, based on the following, you know, I've written all four board exams and I've passed. I've done my PLT course and I've passed. I've met the minimum requirement of two years articles and I've, so I've done that, and then all your your sort your your exposure, the, the kind of work that you've done, and then the court's got to consider and say, okay, well, you know, you've met all the minimum requirements. We con we hereby condone your two to five. Hundred percent. No, that's that's actually really interesting. I, I wasn't very familiar with um, the whole change between the two the two to five sort of process for a candidate attorney. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's actually like like pretty cool. Is there? Do you wish you've known anything before you you started your candidateship? You know, I, I think I think the stuff that I wish I knew, I didn't have the foresight to ask at the time. And you know, if I look back now, there's quite a few things I wish I probably would have done a little bit differently. And but then again, it's it's all worked in such a way to bring me to this point, but I had, I had numerous opportunities to step out of, of legal practice uh, yeah. and go into the sense of legal advising. So, you, you know, you're not really an attorney unless you're practicing as such and registered as a practicing attorney. So um, it might, some it might ruffle some of your listeners feathers there, but, uh, <laughs> but that's the truth. So, <laughs> so you're not really an attorney if you're practicing. So, you know, it's, there are a couple of things that I probably would have wished to be exposed to at an earlier stage, uh, a little bit more of trial work. I did a lot of application work. That's your two sides of your civil litigation. You've got action and application. 
okay and you, you, yeah so it's just it's just this it's just this thing of i was exposed to one side of practice predominantly through my candidacy and and now now that i'm on my own i'm i'm, I'm exposed to the other side and, and it's been a it's been a very steep learning curve okay yeah so i i wish i'd if anything but just been exposed to a little bit more um of general practice on both sides of the field yeah and and what would you say to maybe uh, a school leave or graduate that's thinking of maybe pursuing uh, BCom Law LLB? Is there is there sort of internships or little I should say VAC work that they can do in in the meantime that would be beneficial to them maybe just starting starting the process of LLB in their first year or just working through their degree and uh, maybe getting some VAC work? Absolutely, absolutely. There's you know. When it comes to doing your candidacy, it, it really boils down to this thing of uh, you've really got to humble yourself because the work that you're going to be doing isn't going to be pretty, but it's necessary. Yeah. There's a reason why articles is as difficult as, as it is because it's this whole mantra of forged in fire. And it's, you know, and, and all I can say to someone, even if you're in your first year, I would encourage you to, to approach and I believe in small firms, I really do. One man bands kind of yeah. thing because of the exposure you get going, you know, even if you didn't get paid, walk in and say, look, I just, I just want to do your filing. Just yeah. let me be a fly on your wall. Let me answer the switchboard because the exposure you'll get so early on in your, even just in your study career will change the way you look at your career, your studying and what, what you want, I think it will, it will put you in good stead. I think it will fast track your career by a good couple of years because you'll see what, what, what practice is like. And another thing to consider when doing articles, I, I've got a, a bit of a gripe with the, with the industry because whenever you look for positions, they, they want positions with like the, the top four, the top five law firms in the country. And this is such a misconception in the industry because as someone coming from a, from a kind of general practice uh, background, I've been exposed to every single area of law, you know, kind of every single common area of law, really. And um, I've, speak, I've spoken to, to people that come, and, and I know people that come from your larger firms, you get stuck into an office and you deal with one thing. And, and it's often the case where you walk in as a candidate and you put in M&A or you put in, in conveyancing or you put in, maybe in a small section of civil litigation, okay? And that's where you stay. You'll do your articles there. You'll get admitted there. And in 20 years, you might become a director on paper. Um, and you'll still be sitting in your office and that's what you'll be doing. Whereas, you know, if you go into an office of like general practice and you're working for a very small firm, you're going to do everything like from liquidations to sequestrations and divorces, contract law, corporate and commercial, you'll do everything. So that's like kind of my encouragement is, you know, really to, to, to one, start as soon as you can, uh, be humble, look for something small, even if you're not getting paid for it, and then look for something in, in general practice, you know, a small to yeah. medium-sized law firm where you can really get mentored. Yes. No, that's, that's definitely, I definitely believe in the whole idea of mentorship, even though I'm in sort of a corporate structure as well. My external mentors range from everything from investment banking to public speaking um, and agriculture. And I mean, it's just been yeah. so intriguing to understand sort of their perspective because 
while we look at the world in sort of a textbook view from how we've taught or how we've been taught, um, their view from not maybe having a formal education or having an extensive career, their perspective on the world is just totally different from the life lessons they've gained as well. Absolutely, yeah. And, and how would you explain, or what's an what's a everyday situation in litigation and maybe a graduate program of VAC work uh, being through that process, what would you say is sort of your day-to-day -day, uh, in, those, in those sort of spaces? Okay, so my current day-to-day, -day, okay, I'll, my, my weeks are pretty, pretty structured. I, I thrive off structure, so it works for me. So I'm in court Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays. 100%. Every single Monday, every single Tuesday, every single Friday. Then, so it's, 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 it works quite well on a, on a Friday afternoon. My secretary brings me my files. I run through my court files over the weekend. On Monday morning, I go through to court. And by like 11 o'clock, I'm back in my office. And then it's meetings. If a client phones in and, you know, they want to discuss a contract or I come through and my, my secretary lays out the, the kind of the diary for me and we deal with files as they come. Then you've got the, the files that you planned a little bit longer, which include your your trial files. So now I, I know that I've got trials coming up in March and April. So we start preparing for them. It, it forms part of my day-to-day, -day, but it's all works on like a diary system. So the, the structure is always there. We don't want to miss files. We get ang very angry clients and they come here shaking their fists if we miss one of their files. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like it too much and I don't like getting shouted at so we, we try to keep on top of it with the diary system it's very structured it gets a little bit monotonous yeah but it works and uh it, yeah that's it really yeah okay 100% and like I, I would guess that the perspective that everyone has seen about law is not really suits um <laughs> that that I, that I can that's that's my biggest takeaway from this you're not really uh sort of maverick and goose um which is Avi, <laughs> Avi and mike moving through the fields of um, everyday corporate law and no like, <laughs> and like your biggest failures what would you say that you've you've experienced as your biggest failures and what what did you take away from it in terms of moving forward maybe life experience and work experience as well yeah so uh biggest failures in respect of um in, in respect to my career yeah in 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 respect to your career Start yeah. There. yeah so you know i've i've had i had a couple of opportunities where i look back and i kind of i kind of hope I kind of looked back and I was like, you probably should have gone for that. Um, and it, it hasn't held me back too much because I really don't want to, you know, end up sitting on my hands and feeling sorry for myself. Yeah. But there are some times where, where I look back and I'm like, oh, that was, that was a little bit silly. I remember in, in my second year, I was busy with, so I was busy with my LLB and, and it, was, it was quite a good, uh, you know, labor law legal advising company in east london and and, and they phoned me they they phoned me yeah and you know we got this position would you be interested and i said you know i'll get back to you and at that time i was still working for the electric contracting company i was traveling and i was quite i was quite content with where i found myself and i remember the i think it was a regional manager from pe phoned me and she said warren you know what we're prepared to pay for your studies this is the offer do you want to come and I remember when I sat there and I was like, oh, 
I should probably do this, but a part of me doesn't want it. And I look back now and I think, you know what, I probably could have done a, like done with the experience because it would have done me well. It would have done me well. Do you do you regret any any of those changes? Like, I mean, yes, you've 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 mentioned that, you know, looking back, it's it it would have changed you, but do you feel it would have pushed you in a different path uh completely? Absolutely. It it probably would have. And knowing what I know now, you know, it's 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 a double-edged sword. Yeah. You know, I would have been in a different space, okay? I wouldn't be where I am now. I probably I probably wouldn't be admitted as an attorney, although I would have um, extensive, um, you know, experience in the advisory space, which is also, it's also got its probative value. Yeah. And, um, you know, would I change it? Not necessarily, but I think that still, I think that there was significant value in that opportunity um, at the time. And yeah. that's kind of at, at the time. And, and looking back, I think that was an opportunity possibly missed. But still, I'm, I'm, I'm happy where I am. I wouldn't change it. Being an admitted attorney, although it's a long road, a difficult road, uh, it, it's, still, it's still good for where I want to go. Yeah, that, that sounds interesting. And I would say, what was the best sort of growing, growing to that, growing to that journey? And maybe also learning from those lessons, what were the best resources that you had available or are available that's currently out there that you maybe used or you maybe have spoken to someone in sort of the procedure to get to LLB. Uh, what resources out there that you would recommend for, for guys that are pursuing and that can read uh, now before getting into the field as a graduate, uh, yeah. a candidate attorney, and maybe an attorney as well? Google. Lots of Google. <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots of Google. <laughs> no, the, the long and the short of it is a, it's it's really you've attorneys, especially if you if you look if you're looking at your senior level attorneys. Yeah. Okay. I, I found that the entry level guys, you know, sub five years, there's still a little bit of arrogance there. I'm I'm saying upwards of five years, seek them out. Seek them out quickly. If your director is inclined that way, seek him out. Like, you know, kind of just find someone that you're prepared to bounce some stuff off, that you can really sit and talk to. I found a lot of value in my relationships with the advocates that we used to employ uh, for certain legal work. And they, they morphed into relationships of friendships. And, and um, that's, that was kind of a, a huge thing for me, was my relationships with people, with my director, with, with advocates. And then it was the research that came from those sort of relationships, because, yeah. you know, when you, when you're a candidate, you don't really realize, you know, or even as a LLB um, student or grad, post, like graduate, you don't realize the, the vastness of what an LLB does, uh, what it has. I've, I've told a lot of people, I think the LLB degree is the, is the most value for money degree you can ever get. I do, and I still believe it. I definitely think it is because of how how pliable it is to the the working world and what it does for you as an individual. This is only enhanced by admission and then further enhanced by a little bit of experience. So my advice in terms of resources, you know, go look at jobs, go look at the Institute of Directors, go yeah. see what go see what they're offering. It's it's that and, and see what they say. And if you've got any sort of interest in 
inclination towards um, kind of corporate governance and boards of directors and leadership, that would, that would really fancy, like you'd really fancy something like that. You know, if you, if you're looking at, if, if you're interested in the advisory space, your general legal counsels, it's good. It's good. It's good professions. It's excellent stuff. And um, labor law, you, you know, you don't have to be admitted for that. It's still fun. I mean, you, you, you get the, you get the same taste of being in, in, in litigation. If you go to CCMA, there's still that sort of adversarial um, uh, style to the whole thing. You know, Google, Google what jobs are available and just read, just read. That's all I did. Yeah. And just, and just went, went from there, took it, took it by the horns, I guess, and just uh, step by step. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, who has been like an influence in your choice of LLB? I mean, yes, you wanted to do a BCom, uh, BCom law, uh, but is there any influence that you maybe wanted to follow the legal uh, sort of road? And like personal, personally as well, like who who has been your influence um, in sort of the spaces? What what have you learned from them? What have you gauged for maybe your mentors um, through through the ages? Yeah, so. So, like I said, I really, I never gave any thought to being an attorney. I remember once, though, I was driving to a meeting as myself and my girlfriend were driving. You, you remember her. And yeah. um, we were driving to a meeting and, and I, I, I can't remember the conversation in totality. And, and I was grappling with this thing, you know, I really want to study. And she turned to me and she said, you should study law. And I remember saying, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> 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 and... Um, but then, yeah, we ended up in law. So, and, and then once I got into the profession and started working, I, I can count on, my, on, on, on probably one hand the people that really influenced me. And it was Advocate Morstead from East London, who, who just so happened to be my high school music teacher. And she had a career change and she became an advocate. And I spent, I, I can't even count this hours with her in chambers and just discussing. And, and she shared uh, some valuable advice and, and and really just helped me through. And then her son, Philip Mostert, who's also an attorney, he's now a, a director of his own law firm in Joburg, um, was also part of that. Uh, my director at the time, he was a tough man. He was he was a tough director. He was, <laughs> he was hard, but I, I learned a few things from him. And then my personal mentor, uh, Charlie Harmden, he's a local businessman, an entrepreneur in East London, and uh, him and I have walked quite a road, quite a significant road over the last like maybe three, four years and uh, still walking currently like he, he, him and I work quite close in. And, and from that, you know, it's, it's all been this, this kind of this momentum of continuously developing and seeking out, you know, what it is that, that, that I seek to achieve through this whole thing. That's, that's actually a very interesting perspective. And, and I mean, obviously, maintaining relationships throughout the journey and throughout the process um, is, is crucial because, I mean, for one, they're going to be future clients, potential future clients, but also it comes in handy to, to know people in sort of the space that may need help should you want to go on your own as well. It's exactly, yeah. Okay, and what about the myths? I mean, are there any myths about um, law that you've come across that you've like debugged and you're like, well, we understand suits is definitely one. Uh, I think it's created uh, this perception of 
uh, of law, uh, of law. I guess Wolf of Wall Street did exactly the same. But back in the days, it was, I guess, Wall Street was that. <laughs> um, but yeah, what what are the myths of maybe? Let's look at from maybe the South African perspective. Uh, what are the myths that you have heard uh, prior, and uh, you maybe like, wow, this this is definitely not uh, what it's supposed to be. Yeah, you know, it's it's such a it's such a disappointing topic when I come to this, um, and I, yeah, and it's just you know, we we almost taught in a poetic fashion of the honor in law. Yeah. And, and when we study and, and you know, the, it's, it's really, and I say poetic fashion because, you know, when you study and you, and you read about these, these laws and how people, and, and, and it was fashion and the reason why they all put together and the morality behind it. And then you get stuck in the system and now you've got to do it. And it's, and it's not, you know, you might come in there with, with all that sort of anticipation and, expectation of that poeticness of, of justice and the pursuit of justice and, and upholding the law, but you're met with, not in all circumstances, and, and I think it, it changes the higher up we go, and I say higher up because, you know, you got your district courts, you got your regional courts, and then you got your high court, Supreme Court of Appeal, and your constitutional courts, so higher up you go, it, it does change, but if you're playing in, in the general arena of, like, your, your, your under 400,000 like claims in civil litigation, you're sitting in the, the bottom end of the, of the spectrum. And unfortunately, we're sitting with civil servants, magistrates who are overworked, okay? Yeah. And I, I can assume they're probably underpaid for what they do. And, and you're not met with this honor that, and, and this poeticness that we're, we're, we're told about. So you're getting there and it's, and it's like, this isn't what I anticipated. This isn't what I expected. And there's this disappointment when, you know, I've, I've got a trial file that's been waiting to go to trial for, for two years. But every time you apply for a trial date, they lose the court file. <laughs> so it's, it's this thing of, you know, what have what we met with a system that, that isn't capable of dealing with what has been asked to deal with? And it's, it's, that's, that's probably one of the biggest disappointments. And then, you know, if I could, if anyone was interested and you want to see the other side to suits, and I think the closest, the closest film, and it was, it was put to me by Jacques Mahler from, he's the, he's a law lecturer at Fort Hare. Uh, I remember he was trying to teach me to surf. Um, he, he didn't, I didn't last too long, but um, <laughs> I, I remember we had a conversation because I was really battling when I was finishing up my candidacy and, and, and I bumped into him in Ganubia and he's an old time surfer and, and, and we had this chat. He says, Warren, I'm at the beach every single day at five o'clock, come down. And eventually I found myself down there and we were on, we were on the water and I remember it as clear as day. It was dark and it was basically just about a rain and we we're just sitting there. There's like 10 surfers out there. And I said to him, I said, I, I can't. I can't reconcile myself to the reality that law is so different to how I was taught this poeticness of law. I said, I, I can't reconcile myself to this. I, I can't see it. I can't put myself in the sphere of practice. And he put me onto the movie of The Rainmaker featuring Matt Damon. I, I think I sent you a, a small quote yesterday. Yeah. And yeah. I saw it, that. Powerful. It, it, it is that it's this, you know, lawyers. And I think almost, in line with 
a, a sort of we take the mickey out of ourselves before we allow somebody else to do it. So we love lawyers' jokes. I think no one loves lawyers' jokes more than lawyers, <laughs> and, and it's the truth. I think it's the truth. I mean, how do you? What do you call a hundred lawyers tied together at the bottom of the ocean? God, a damn, damn good damn spot. but i mean it's the truth and i mean the problem is that there's such a fine line to 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 practicing in this this honor and justice and this poeticness of the of the law and then crossing that line and becoming just another lawyer's joke and becoming the shark that everyone thinks lawyers are it's it's such a fine line and, and it comes up in every case you have this this moral judgment to turn around and say, I, I can do this and I can lie here and I can make this happen and I probably will win. Yeah. But it's, it's really, uh, I think that people underestimate that, that, that sort of moral compass because you do it once, you'll do it again and you won't stop doing it. Wow. And I mean, that's, that's kind of what we see in our, in our political system. It's when you're a kind person and you may be coming to money, you come into power, it, it heightens that sort of sense of goodwill and being sort of humbled and, and an honor uh, in sort of that space and honorary yep. in sort of that space. And if it's crooked or corruption, you know, it's even heightened. There's, there's higher corruption, there's higher sort of exactly. more stealing in, in, in that space as well. And with such a busy career and, and just, I mean, you've, you've accomplished it, like a lot uh how would you how would you recommend maybe focusing your mind keeping it keeping it calm how do you may, let your hair down your very short hair <laughs> you let your hair down <laughs> you let your hair down and maybe step away from thinking like a lawyer because i mean a lot of people may feel frazzled in in the space of that you know they're dealing with particular cases and it's a different kind of energy it's a lot of dramatic energy there's a lot of energy that you personally invest in cases as well so how do you maybe step away from it re rethink your objectives take time for yourself and refocus and align what that would be yes. really great that that's a that's a that's a fascinating question i don't think i've ever been asked that but you know like i say i, I love structure yeah. I actually, I actually thrive in structure. So for me, routine works quite well. So I make sure for me, like I, I wake up relatively early and I start my day quite quietly. So that's, that's the first start for me. So I, I don't generally like to train in the mornings in the sense of gym, but I live in, I live in quite a pretty area here in Port Elizabeth and it's quite scenic. So I tend to just go for a walk and I listen to a podcast for half an hour, the first start of my day. I'll come back. Now that it's hot, just jump in the pool, make breakfast, and it's that it's that routine, that 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 system, that that I can expect to be the same every single morning, yeah. that brings calm to me. So I know, and the favorite part of my morning—it sounds weird, Shavin—but it's the favorite part of my morning is ironing my shirt for work. <laughs> it's, it always has been though since my candidacy, because it's the when I'm sitting there and I'm waiting for that arm to get hot and. You're sitting there and you're planning out and you're jotting out the day in your head. And if I'm going to court, I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I've got to do this. And I've got to address that. And, and you're just sitting there and you're ironing your shirt and, and, it, and, it's, and it's fresh and it's proper. And then you're ironing your pants and you make sure that line's all the way to the top. And, you know, there's, it's, it's clean and it's ready. Your shoes, it's that, it's that structure and it's that, it's that I can rely on it. It's going to be there. It's going to be the same, that expectation. 
And then you come into work and it's, it's the same thing. It's, the, it's keeping that routine. It's keeping that routine. That's how I found, you know, you don't get overwhelmed because initially I did, I got very overwhelmed and, and I found myself in not kind of, you're just grasping at straws a lot of the time. And then after work, it's the same thing. I've, I've recently started rock climbing um, mm. as, as a way to, to kind of just get outside. My biggest problem lately is, you know, you, you start off your day, you're inside. You get in your car, you're up to work, Definitely. you're inside, effectively. You're in a courtroom, you're inside. Then you come into your office and you're inside. And uh, I told my secretary the other day, I was like, Claudine, you know, the problem is, I, I know it's hot outside, but I can't feel it because my aircon's on 21. So <laughs> it looks lovely, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what it's like. And I dare not go outside because I, I'll probably probably get sick. But so it's it's that, that whole thing. Like, I mean, you've got to... It's, it's the structure and it's the it's like the, the the reliance on my like my system and my structure of waking up in the morning and, and knowing that I've got to do certain things that allows me to switch off because I don't have to think about it. Yeah. I, I, I just get up and do. I don't have to think about going to gym after work because I, I know that my car will probably just drive itself there eventually. And <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have to I don't have to think about like when I'm on in my shirt, I don't have to think about it. I switch off and like you unbox sort of what has to happen during the day and in the evening, the same thing. You sort of just unpack what happened and you just leave it one side. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, <laughs> your car driving itself to work, I th unfortunately Tesla's not making its way to South Africa, but that, <laughs> but that, that would be, uh, that would be really nice. I wouldn't mind that as well. Uh, <laughs> driving in particularly Jobe Pretoria traffic. Just yeah. putting the car on autopilot, maybe, <laughs> maybe catching a nap by the time I get to the office. Yeah. I think that'll be great. But <laughs> the last few questions um, for today, I think um, just to maybe like recap, but if if you were in my shoes right now, asking you tons of questions, getting this insight from you, what question would you ask yourself? Sure, that's a good one. You know, I think I think I would ask, I'd ask, I'd ask the question of, of kind of, I don't know if it's really a question, Shabin, but it's, it's really maybe an inquiry. And, and it goes in the lines of, of Jordan Peterson and, and his 12 rules. You know, it, it goes along the lines of, you know, maybe the question would be uh, worded like this. You know, is what you're doing worth your burden? Yes. Well, and... Often. Yeah, I, I think I think that I think that that's what I'd ask if I was in your shoes. Is 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 what you're doing? He puts it lovely. I love how Jordan Peterson writes, and he says you've got to make your miserable life worth living. And 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 that's it. Are you? And and I think that can only come from an inquiry into who you are. And and I don't I don't think people and and you know he even talks about conscious unconsciousness and all that i think people are, are, are incompetence and i think people don't know who they are and and i would i from this side of the table i definitely encourage people to start inquiring what would make what would make it worthwhile you know yeah. if law is your thing i i don't mean by any way to discourage you you yeah. know to do law it's a, it, it it is a fascinating career but it's got to be worth the burden you carry in yourself to make whatever you do worth it it's it's sort of a um i was chatting to an economist uh the other day and he he mentioned that 
life is not about saying I'm giving up, um, you know, I'm maybe giving this or I'm giving this up for, for this particular thing. Is like you may be trading. It's a trade-off, and I mean that's that's an economics term. And I think our economic yes. viewers are going to be like, the trade-off is maybe giving up one thing, maybe time with your family and friends to maybe achieve a higher career, yeah. To to maybe build your own family or to build meaningful relationships as well. So I think that mindful aspect of asking yourself these questions and inquiring. Um, asking, letting your mind sort of be curious and in sort of that nature um, to to wonder on those thoughts and, and processes that sort of give you the more insight into yourself when your mind's calm. Uh, and I think that's that's really interesting. And I think that's a really lovely note to actually leave this interview on. Uh, but so where can people connect with you uh, and maybe chat to you more about the field and uh, what you do and maybe just get more insight from you from a personal basis. Is there any places they can contact you on? Absolutely. I mean, uh, I'm open to, to, to helping anyone out in the industry or if you're in interested in the industry or if you just want some advice, um, you're welcome to contact me. Uh, I can, on, I'm, I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'll even, you can have my email address if you want, if, no, Shvin, can I give it out? Uh, I, I think uh, let's let's just keep it on yeah, to uh, LinkedIn. Let them connect to you okay. on a personal basis. Yeah. I think that'll be a bit better. Absolutely. No, I'm on LinkedIn. You can message me anytime, and I'd be glad to answer any questions and engage on any sort of level. Okay, hundred percent. And there you heard it, folks. That Warren has shared his sort of insightful perspective on law and litigation. In the process. So Warren, thanks again for making the time uh, this morning. I know it was an early start for both of us, <laughs> uh, but thanks so much. And uh, I definitely look forward to seeing you back when I'm back in East London. And uh, hopefully we can maybe uh, go for a surf. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe try that out uh, or rock climbing. I'm definitely interested in that and getting back out. Um, so I'll let this pandemic hopefully be over and uh, we can get back out there. But uh, Warren, thanks a lot for the interview and uh, we'll chat soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Shivin. Thanks for the time and, and thanks for the opportunity. And uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing from you.